I'm Corey Grinshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is 40 with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. nation happy monday everybody happy after a nice caps win so nice to be talking to you guys i'd like to of course bring in my wonderful and amazing co-host richie suave flores how you doing richie hello Corey. happy sunday now it is sunday today as we were recording happy sunday Yes, yes. It'll be happy Monday to those listening to us. So I hope you guys are having a wonderful Monday. I don't know why I assumed it was morning. Because you get up and you listen to uh, Sporty first thing. I mean, duh. Who doesn't? That's what everybody does. Because the episodes are always posted pretty early in the morning. They're up by like 5 o'clock in the morning. So people can listen to the show on their way into work. Yeah, they they set it um, to be up nice and early for those on the east coast time because you know some of our podcasts within hpn are east coast podcasts um i mean west coast is the best coast but you know we i guess have to be gentle to those on the other side so they they go pretty early for all of those folks over there yeah unlike the game unlike the game on on saturday which started at eight o'clock which screw that? These the poor East Coast people, the poor Capitals fans. That game didn't get over till like one o'clock in the morning. Like, what a joke! But there has to be an advantage in the fact that the Coyotes. That's that's eight o'clock for them, but it's a lot later for Capitals. So they're probably pretty tired going into that game. So that's a nice advantage. Maybe, maybe that was the case. I mean, the reason why it started late is because. The NHL didn't want any other games starting during the window of the outdoor game between the Kings and the Avalanche. So that's why that game was pushed back to 8 and 8 o'clock start instead of a normal 6 o'clock start. Because everyone wants to watch the Kings. Boo! Yeah, and they won that stupid game. And and they playing that game in some like those the new uniforms, which have you I'm assuming you saw the pictures of the uniforms from last night or from the no i have not i did see cat's tweet saying that they were awful and i um respected her opinion on that and with the kings i don't like much things that come out of the kings so i was um i I have not seen them i did not look at them okay so i'll explain how i what i thought of them and then you can i'll send you the link to them all right so i the king's ones were fine to me like the coolest thing about the Kings ones was they they had a chrome helmet, which was like super dope. But I was I'm one of the few people that um, that actually liked both of the uniforms. Like I wasn't a you know I wasn't like oh no they look terrible blah 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 blah, you know like I thought the Avalanche ones actually looked pretty cool like on the ice, and um, and they looked way better. Um, than a lot of people thought. And it's the same thing with the Kings ones, too. Like, the Kings ones, I thought, were different. Like, hockey fans have a, have trouble sometimes, like, with things that are different. And that's all that those jerseys wore, is they, they were different. 
And uh, so I thought they looked better on the ice than when they first leaked leaked the pictures. I don't know. This to me looks very, I don't know, very something that like your parents would have made you wear in the 80s, you know, or like the early 90s that were carried over. So it feels feels like I'm watching something that's old. Like the graphics should be old. All of it should be old. It seems it feels old to me. I actually it feels a little bit like Tetris. Like like the <laughs> game Tetris when you're looking at the um the Avs uniform. One hundred percent their A looks like it is a game of Tetris. That, Maybe I, that's why it feels eighties, nineties to me. That's new. I haven't heard anybody refer to it as that yet. I did see somebody refer to it, the Kings ones, as looking like they were like roller hockey jerseys. Yes. And Yes, very roller hockey, yes. And that, yeah, and Kat and I were making fun of it because they look like, she thought they looked like something you would see in like a Mighty Ducks movie from the 90s, like yeah, you said. Yeah, they, they look, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I I can't even... Yes, they are that era, and and a lot of like the kids from the Mighty Ducks were roller. That's where that whole thing came from. Their um, uh, their whole their goaltender and like a whole bunch of them. They all came from like roller hockey mm-hmm. and the Mighty Ducks. So I mean that that makes total sense. And um, yeah, it definitely looks some, like something old to me. I don't know. I feel like they they should be walking around in the background with a nice boom box on their shoulder. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you are in the majority, I think, of people, for sure, when it comes to the jerseys. And I'll just continue to stay in the minority. I, but, like, you've known me for a while now. You know that my fashion sense is garbage. So maybe when it comes to, like, talking about whether I like a uniform or a jersey or not, you probably shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> I mean, that you were saying that the helmets were cool. I do agree that the helmets were cool. Um, from this GIF that you sent me here, um, as they move, it's pretty cool looking. And the fact that it's it kind of goes from being black to uh, kind of a silver chromey thing, like you had said. And I, I do like that. Um, but that, I think, is the only thing I like. Sorry. It's okay. You're like I said, you're in the major- majority on that one. So anyway, that game is why the Coyotes game was pushed back to eight eight o'clock. And even though it was pushed back to eight o'clock, it was still a sellout. It was the eighth sellout of the season for the Coyotes, which is pretty impressive. If they sell out no more games, that's still selling out twenty percent of the home games, which is a pretty nice little milestone for them to get to. And I'd imagine Coming down the stretch here, I don't know how many home games they have left. Um, they have, what, 20, 20 games left? Yeah, they have 21 games total left on the season. I'm assuming those are about split half and half, so they probably have about 10 games left in the season. And they could base, if they sell out two more games, that's selling out a quarter of their home games, which would be very impressive in my opinion. Yeah, and you know what will happen? What will happen is people will still start keep ripping on the Coyotes and the fact that they claim that no one shows up to games, even though they have made these milestones and are making just so much more progress in so many different ways in that. And people will keep posting photos 
of where it says clearly on the old screen, jobbing.com arena. Has not been jobbing.com, y'all, for a very, very long time. So the people who post that online and try and sell that off as our current attendance is a complete bold-faced lie, for one. And second, um, it is a shame that this team is making such strides when it comes to attendance and people are still going to be crapping on it, but it's, you know, the haters going to hate. That they will, the haters of the Coyotes will always hate and will always try and say something about relocation or attendance. And I just need to get over it, but I don't know. I just, I, I never fully can. Yeah. So despite the fact that it's at eight o'clock, it was a sellout. It was a great atmosphere against the, uh, as the Washington Capitals came to town, Alex Ovechkin and his 698 goals trying to get to 700. And thankfully, Antiranta decided to play one of his better games of the season, and Alex Ovechkin was held scoreless, so he's still waiting on 698 as he heads to Vegas for his next game. But yeah, I was uh, for an 8 o'clock start, which was, I just, again, I just don't understand. I didn't get out of there until after 11 o'clock, obviously, because I was sticking around for, for media, and talking to uh, Ranta and uh, and Tockett, and... Uh, it's like, oh, never have, ne- please don't ever do that again, NHL. Don't ever make games start at 8 o'clock. I, let me look it up real quick. Do you have the Coyote schedule in front of you by any chance? Because you might be able to get to it faster than I can. Um, I can get to it pretty quickly. Because I'm curious, because I'm curious when uh, late in the season like this, any, a, lot, a lot of times when they'll play during the week against uh, like uh, L.A. or San Jose, or... The latest home game is seven thirty. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's a game coming up here. Okay. This is exactly what I was I was thinking. When you play games in the uh, uh, on the road against Pacific or uh, Pacific Coast teams that are in the Pacific time zone, the games here start late. So we have one more stinking game of this ridiculous crap. We're gonna have to stay up till eleven o'clock to try and watch the Coyotes on the road against the Vancouver Canucks. Coming up on March fourth, because that's an eight thirty puck drop here in Phoenix. Like, yeah, stupid. Yeah, but I mean that's seven thirty in Vancouver, so it makes sense. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, again, I'm just glad that we live when on the they, West Coast. When they play here on April second, it's a seven thirty game against Vancouver, and the game on the twentieth against Detroit is seven thirty. So I mean, it, it's not like we don't do it. It just means that you know. Because their time zone is going to be a late game. It's stupid. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's stupid. We're, we're going to need to get you a nice little Coyotes blankie and um, a nice whiskey. So late. And then just tuck you in and make you all nice and cozy and watch the game. It's like when Pac-12 Pac- basketball does this too and it really pisses me off, which is when say like ASU or U of A or whatever, and they go and they go play at the California schools during the week uh, on the weekend sometimes, and the tip off there uh, in California will be eight o'clock, but the damn game doesn't start till nine o'clock here in Arizona. It's like, why in the world are you playing sports that freaking late? And maybe I'm like, maybe I'm, I have like. Uh, I don't know what you call it, first world problems here, obviously, because it's even later on the East Coast, which is even worse. Like we talked about, the start against the Capitals was a 10 o'clock start. 
in Washington when Alex Ovechkin, you know, was still chasing 700 goals. So you could have had half the, pretty much the entire Capitals fan base miss history because they were asleep. That's what I mean. Like, think about a lot of the times when there's, you know, um, especially World Series, last World Series games that go on into extra, 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 extra innings. And those are a lot of times games that are played on the West Coast that are being aired on the East Coast. And those people are up until like two in the morning. And then they end up putting out that whole thing where it's like, um, you know, like a letter to your boss saying, um, you know, they're excused from work tomorrow because they're watching the game or they were at the game or whatever. That, that joke always ends up circulating. It happens m- more than you would think and probably more than you'd like but um one of the things that i had i had to call you out on in this is during the last winter olympics when there was a massive time change who was the person that was making sure that he could watch the women's hockey games even though they were at god-awful times Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, I stayed up late to watch them, yeah. See? Just depends how much you want it. <laughs> That's true, but those games were, like, Olympic games, so there's a little bit of a difference. And, like, and I could sure, watch those special. games. Grant, okay, I'll give you this. When the Vancouver game comes around, I'll be up, I'll be curled up on my couch with some blankies, and it'll be fine. But I think it was just the fact that I had to go to the rink and then there so late and then and then i had to take the long ass drive home of two minutes from from the ring to to the apartment yeah your your drive from the rink is so much better than mine mine (laughs) is like if i'm going super fast 25 minutes so um yeah yours is very very nice. It, uh, it's very convenient where you live. But, yeah, it's it's totally different when you're sitting on the couch. It Yes, let's put it in that perspective, too. When you're sitting on the couch watching something, it is so much better than when you're having to work it. When you're having to work it, you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. And you're having to be, like, polite and proper in front of people. Whereas when you're on the couch, you can't. You can be in you're all wrapped up in your blankets with the with a whiskey in hand and just sitting there watching. I think part of it though, is you're going to, if it's not a good game, you're going to get riled up and then you're not going to be able to sleep. And that's what I'm concerned about. Yes. That will probably happen. You guys, Richie doesn't sleep. Like even as it is, Richie does not sleep. I don't know how it is. He's a vampire. He's nocturnal. I don't know, but he does not sleep. So him have, this is my one concern. My like actual PSA for not having late games is so Richie can get some sleep because uh, if he gets riled up before night, night time, he is (laughs) awake for forever. So I don't know um, if there's any special sleeping remedies, please get to him before that game because he's, he could be hyped. It all just depends. Although, it's against Vancouver, and Vancouver's a good team, and the Coyotes have been playing against, well against good teams. 
So it may actually be a really good game. So you might actually be happy about it instead of disappointed. If it was um, a much worse game or a much worse team, it would probably be a worse game. So um, if that's any consolation. That's true. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll actually win that game, which would be really nice. They did outplay Vancouver the first time they played them in Vancouver, and they lost that game. I think it was 2-1, to one, I think was the final score in that game. Or maybe it was 3-1 with an empty netter. But I'm glad you mentioned the idea of the of the playing better against the best teams in the league because that, I think, is the most fascinating thing to come out of the win against the Capitals is that the Cowboys had so much stacked against them going into that game where they were skidding. They just were coming off of a road, a really garbage road trip where they, where they only got three points out of a possible eight, where they lost to the Ottawa Senators, for Christ's sake, a team that was has a minus 40, had a minus 44 goal differential going into the game. And so you come in on Saturday, you're thinking, we're going to get our shit kicked in by the Capitals here. Alex Ovechkin is probably going to score four goals. He's going to get to 700, and that's it. But no, they play in one of their most impressive games of the season against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, if not the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, actually, I guess they have the third best record in the Eastern Conference behind Boston, Tampa, Washington. Well, what do you think it is? And we got a question about this on Twitter too, which is like, what do you think it is about this team where they just seem to play better, play more focused against teams like Washington, who are they now 2-0 against, against St. Louis, who they won both times, both games earlier this season, against Boston, who, yes, they've lost both games, but they've played really well in both of those games and could have won both of those games. What do you think it is about playing the playing up to their competition? Yeah, um, just to give a shout-out to the person who had asked that question, that would be at SportsFool0416. He said, why can we beat Washington twice, St. Louis, etc., St. Louis, etc., and then crap the bed against bottom dwellers like Anaheim, Ottawa, LA, etc.? Frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. And a lot of it has to do, I feel like, with the mentality of this team and the fact that this team, I don't feel as mentally strong. Every time they go into these games where they have to focus and they have to win and they're big games, they come into them so much stronger. Bronto was so much stronger last night. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he personally, and he had said it in an interview um, with Todd Walsh afterwards, that he didn't want to be the goaltender that was in the highlight reel for um, Ovi's 700th goal. So. He had that as the mindset going in. And I think that's the problem that they've been having is they have these strong mindsets going in. Of, this is going to be a tough team. We need to work hard. I need to put in my, my part. And I really need to try and get this team further and better than it was before. And I feel like that's the, the mentality that they're coming in with. And every other time they come into um, these games with the mentality of, oh, well, we just need to get this win. And they don't really think about it as like, oh, we need to fight and grind to get this win. They just go, oh, we just need to go in and get this win today. And no one really puts in the effort that's needed because this team is a talented team, but a lot of it has to do with 
how aggressive they are that day. And as you can tell from that, um, that basically the entire game against Washington, they had put in as much effort as they could. I had uh, t- even tweeted out um, the Coyotes right now in a, a gif from um, Deadpool where he says maximum effort because they were, they were giving maximum effort. I had uh, even wrote, wrote down in my notes today that they had uh, 10 takeaways to the Caps, three takeaways. They were t- putting in that extra effort to try and make plays for themselves. And that is the problem when they play really crappy teams is they don't make those extra efforts. And I don't know if it's because they think they don't need to, but they don't make the extra effort. They start going on a downward slide and they don't have this confidence to keep themselves rolling. They, as soon as they start on a downward slide, it all just tumbles further and further down and they can't regain themselves. That was a much better explanation than I ever could have come up with. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing, like, we're supposed to be the know-it-alls on this show, right? We're supposed to be like, we're supposed to tell you everything and what we think. Here's the thing. I don't freaking know what's wrong with this team when it comes to playing against better against better teams. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that there seems to be, like, a yin and yang to this team in pretty much every game. It's, I don't understand it. It's, like, they can't play consistent. And I, if I had to pick a word, that would be it. It would be consistent. And the reason why I say that is because I think we're seeing that with the play of Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, where they aren't consistent. They're very inconsistent, and that is very contagious in a way. And it's no secret, and Clayton Keller had an assist in that game. He had the secondary assist on the Phil Kessel power play goal. And that's the only thing I can think of is it's just like this team just doesn't play with consistency. And um, at the very beginning of the season, they were doing it, doing that, and they were doing it with Darcy Kemper and Nett, who was you know able to bail the team out quite a bit often, more often than not. So... I don't know. It it makes no sense. And I, and I don't think the team really has any answers for it either as to why they play better. It is important that they're playing better against the better teams because that's who you're going to play down the stretch with a lot of games inside the Pacific Division. And those are the teams you got to beat. And if they play well coming up here down the stretch in, in, in March, you know, then, then you'll be looking at a, a, an easier time. So I I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that question. Is that weird? No, it's not weird at all. I mean, this team is very perplexing because if you were to look at them on paper and you were to look at it from the way that Trika has built this team and put everything together, you would think that they would be coming in and they would be playing like they did at the beginning of the season, that they would be a lot more consistent and that as long as everyone was turning all together all at the right time that this team would be doing well and just chugging along they would essentially when you look at them on paper they would be the little engine that could they are that team but when it comes to actually putting that application in place it it never turns out that way and i that's the problem with this team is that it's just like a, a relationship just between two people um, just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean that it's always great 
when it's applied and this that's how this team is and there's something that's just off and something that's just not right and a, a lot of times you can go back to certain things you can think you know um one of their biggest problems is they deem Kemper to be um one of the best if not the best player on their team um Taka has praised him as such in interviews before and um having that mindset I don't think is necessarily the best in the fact that um you know when you have him out then you are automatically thinking oh no we don't have a goaltender that is going to be stable and consistent and so a lot more pressure is on our shoulders and you can't make any mistakes because if you're thinking in that regard you will always make a mistake and then you go into well maybe it's the fact that you, you know they not just the fact that they don't have faith in you know, in Ronta per se but in the fact that they don't have faith in themselves and it's them going into war and not being able to feel a, a kinship with who they're on the line with or anything else in the fact that they're essentially going for each of these games and I think they each feel that they're a little bit alone in this and that the sense of team is not necessarily there. I, I, that's kind of a, a, a reach there that I'm coming to, but they don't really seem like they are going into all of it all together. And they seem to be really lacking the confidence, especially Clayton Keller is lacking the confidence needed to do what he needs to do to succeed on this team. And we got another question about Clayton Keller on Twitter, did we not? Let me bring it up here for a minute. Ah, there it is. Uh, Shane is asking, why is Keller not performing well? Is it him or is it target system that's not working? Uh, here's the thing. We know it's not target system because Clayton Keller, earlier in the season, you know, he was he had a stretch there where he was putting up nearly a point per game, and he was rolling, and he was on pace for maybe the best season of his career. Uh, that has cooled off uh as he i think he has something like three let me bring it up here uh we brought it up on the last show he has like one goal in his last 13 games and he has like let's see here he's got uh one two three four six points six point or excuse me seven points since the new year in 2019 that's not that's not going to get it done. And we've seen this from Clayton Keller before. It happened last year. It happened during his rookie season where he just goes on these long stretches of just disappearing from the lineup. And I think, like you mentioned, I think it's confidence, right? I think he is a guy who – he had a game earlier this season where he, he put up like four points in the game or something like that. Or excuse me, no, he had the two goals, right? December 12th against Chicago. He had 12 shots on goal in that game, and that was probably his best game of the season. And that is the Clayton Keller that we like. Clayton Keller playing with confidence, being the guy that's like, I want the puck on my stick, and I'm gonna I'm gonna carry this team. It doesn't happen very often, but to me, it's somebody that is taking the initiative to shoot the puck more often than not. Because does he have the best shot in the world? No, he doesn't have the best shot in the world. I think he's a, a better playmaker than he is a goal scorer. And we've talked about that on the show before. But 
when he has the confidence to shoot the puck, I think that's when he's playing well because when he's not having that confidence, well, he's trying to be like he's panicking too much and trying to get rid of the puck to let somebody else do the job and not him. And um, and I think that's part of the problem. Like he's just – I don't – and they need Clayton Keller. Listen, if you if you ask me, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this or not, but if you ask me the reason why the Coyotes have stunk it up over the last month, over these last 15 games or so – it's Clayton Keller, and it's Nick Schmaltz. And Phil Kessel, too, who had the big goal last night when the Coyotes most needed it. But for the most part, it's those three guys that have struggled up front for the Coyotes that have cost them a lot of points in the last you know month or so. Which, I mean, you do have to um, give props to Chikrin on that, too, because he was um, he's the one who set up for the uh, tip to Kessel there, the for Kessel to tip it. Um, but, yeah, I... I I 100% agree with you in the fact that Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz are vital parts of this team and they are, you know, they're top six players that need to be performing and need to be bearing the puck. And that is one of the things that I had said going into this season is that Clayton Keller needed to be that person. It's not who he is naturally, but when you are in the NHL and you are getting a fantastic deal next season um that if that's how it is then you need to be playing to the what your team needs you to be not what you um not what you naturally are like you're in the nhl this is the big boy time it's time to suck it up and do what your team needs of you and it's funny because he's with schmaltz which you know should help him in the fact that like you he can set it up, but like neither of them are doing well. And it's so strange because they started out so well. And there is a lot of talk about his confidence going in through all of the everyone, whether it's in interviews and all sorts of stuff like that, it's constantly being talked about in um, his confidence. And I, I think it, you're right in the fact that it does do a lot for him in the fact that he is not the biggest guy in the world. He can't bully his way around this. So he has to be able to have the confidence, but in the same regard, he has to have confidence in his line mates and not try and do too much. He tries to do too much, and so do a few other players on the team, and they end up losing the puck, and they end up having these horrible turnovers because they are trying to do too much. You not only have to have confidence in yourself, but you need to have confidence in your line mates and in the fact that you're going to be able to set things up together and be able to run your systems. And I feel like they don't have confidence in their systems. I don't think it's that Tocket is running the wrong ones. I think it's the fact that they themselves don't have confidence in running them. I don't think they're the wrong ones. They just aren't performing them to the best of their ability. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that kind of idea of the execution up. And we're getting ready to wrap up here. But there was a goal against uh, – or Ottawa scored a goal against the Coyotes that ended up pretty much deciding the game where Clayton Keller tried to clear the zone in the in the Coyote zone. And instead of, like, just clearing the puck off the glass and just getting it out back to center ice, he tried to make a pass to Brad, Brad Richardson, who was exiting the zone, and he threw it right into his skates, turned it over, and the puck ended up in the back of the net. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is uh, almost like a panic in a way, just trying to do – way too much instead of just making the smart, easy play. So, Clayton Keller has 20, he has, you know, the 20-plus games left to go in the season. He's only 
at 36 points. We thought last year was a bad year for him. He had 47 points in 82 games. So he's got 20-plus games now to score the 11 points he needs. And for somebody who, like I said, only has the seven points since the new year, that's going to be tough. Um, so he might have a be have less points this year than he did last year. That's that's declining in two straight seasons when he's coming into his brand new contract coming up next season. That's not what you want to do. So with that, I want to wrap up with this because this is uh, I saw this on Sunday and I thought it was really great. Um, in lieu of the firing of Jeremy Roenick. Um, I had made the, I had made a comment. I was like, listen, well, maybe it's time to get more women involved on NBC SN, like Kendall Coyne, make her a full time, full time on the broadcast. Uh, cause Jeremy Rick wasn't even that good of his job to begin with, but I digress. NBC sports announced on Sunday that coming up on March 8th, which is international women's day, Corey, by the way, happy international women's hey. day ahead of time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, NBC, yeah, NBC Sports announced that the Blues and Blackhawks game in Chicago is going to be called by an all-female crew. Kate Scott is going to do play-by-play. AJ Malesko and Kendall Coyne Schofield will be the analysts for the game. Catherine Tappan is going to do obviously host the uh, the um, the uh, the in-studio stuff for NBC, and then there's also. Uh, another woman who's going to be in studio with Catherine Tappan. I don't have her name here in front of me, unfortunately. Um, but and then it's a, also the game's also going to be directed a, uh, by a woman as well, and the lead producer on the game is also going to be a woman. So that is so freaking cool. I want more of it. That is awesome. So cool. Running the freaking show. Way to go, ladies. Yeah, no, I absolutely love this. I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, we had a very long conversation with um, a lot of the different hosts on HPN in um, in our own group chat that we have um, for the show, and it was it was really cool to see how supportive a lot of the guys were about um, having females as hosts and having females as you know, running these things. So it just is super cool to see. And I love to see the support and it's a great revolution that has come to, I think all sports and just being able to include women in all facets of it. So um, as, as a woman talking about um, hockey twice a week, I, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate you all that listen to Sporty Nation because you yourself, you support it too by listening to me. So thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tuning into that game. It should be really cool to check that out and uh, be a different perspective on, on the NHL. Uh, so before we go here, let's set up what's coming up here in the next couple of days for the Coyotes. It's going to be a busy week here. Um, coming up on today, this afternoon, actually, uh, so by the time you listen to us, if you're driving home or later in the week, this game would have already happened. But the New York Islanders on President's Day, a nice little afternoon start at 2 o'clock, which is really cool. I actually like I'm curious to see how many people show up at that game. So that's coming up there. That's going to be a tough game. New York Islanders, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Coyotes struggled against New York uh, earlier, the, very early on in the season when they played the Islanders. And then coming up later in the week, week a road trip to Dallas and St. Louis. Uh, Dallas beat the Coyotes earlier this season, 
and uh, they came back from a two-goal deficit in the third period. Of course, I'm sure a lot of you Coyotes fans will remember that. That was a tough game to watch. Um, and then coming up on, on Thursday, it's another game against our friends, the St. Louis Blues, who we seem to beat every time we play them. So it's a busy week for the Coyotes this week. Um, we'll uh, preview that St. Louis game, of course, for you on Thursday morning on our next show, and we'll talk about the Dallas and New York games uh, as well. So before we go, Corey, any last words for the Sporting Nation? Um, there's also a game against Tampa Bay on Saturday at home. So be there and support your Coyotes and constantly just fight for the fact that this team is on the rise attendance-wise and fan-wise. Such great and amazing fans. So stay that way because they will always try and put the Coyotes down. But the Coyotes fan base is one solid ass fan base and they're not going away so keep showing everyone that and show up to the game very well said quickly a check of the standings Edmonton leads with 70 points Vancouver 69 nice Vegas at 68 Calgary at 66 Coyotes at 66 Nashville on their tails with four ga- four games in hand the Nashville Predators just three points back of the Coyotes Winnipeg at 63 the playoff chase is crazy. I still can't believe the Coyotes are holding on to a playoff spot at this point in time. But um, it's only going to get crazier down the stretch. We'll follow it all For here. the prayer to keep Taylor Hall here, please, please make the playoffs. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. By the way, don't freaking trade Taylor Hall, you idiots. Saw another article today. We'll talk. Let's talk, we can talk about that on Thursday show, and we can just spend all forty minutes yelling at the people, these idiots in the media. They're like, "Oh, you should uh, trade Taylor Hall." Um, yeah. Anyway, I digress. We'll talk about that on Thursday. Until next time. Good night. And good hockey, everybody. <laughs>